0: And we all, with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 18, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Do you long to behold the face of the Lord? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Do we long to behold Him face to face? Yes. yes. Hmm. Do we do we desire to behold Him face to face? Yes. yes. Amen. Beloved, we find ourselves on this feast of the transfiguration, where the radiance, the light, the eternal life radiated from the face of Jesus himself to Peter and to James and to John. For the face of our Lord was white and was shining. His glory was beheld by them, not a glory being reflected, but a glory coming from His face to them. We desire to behold Him face to face. In our liturgy every Sunday, I pray with you and with all the saints who are beholding Him, that we would finally be able to behold Him face to face. What a glorious day that's going to be, amen? Some of us are here just before Lent, on this final Sunday of Epiphany, the Transfiguration. We stand with our Lord and His beloved, holy apostles; those three that the inner circle. We're on this mountain, and we're looking at that mountain that lies in the distance, the Mount of Calvary, the glory of the cross that our Lord will be uh, was on, and we will celebrate during the Passion. And between us and then uh, is a season of Lent. And beloved, if you're like me, you want and desire to behold the Lord face to face. But on this side of eternity, we will not fully behold Him until we see Him as He is. This morning, I guess I have a simple sermon, a simple message, and we're going to get into the text in a moment. But the simple message is this, many of us here, many of us may feel like our faith is drying up. Many of us here may desire to see a miracle, desire to see our Lord as He is. And let me say that we cannot behold Him face to face until we see Him as He is when we have crossed that great Um, river Jordan that is death to come unless he returns but let me say this to you though we don't behold him face to face in this life we behold the reflections of his glory in this life don't we have you seen it Sam Saxon our beloved brother who the Lord is is healing um suffered I I thought he was going to die I was there Friday night and I thought Sam was going to die um Had, you know, the ventilator down his throat, basically unresponsive. I grabbed his hands. His hands were cold. I was talking with both of his daughters. We were praying. We prayed the Lord's Prayer together. And then just 48 hours or so, um, he's now joking with the nurses, being Sam Saxon. I'm sure he's giving them his preserves that he makes. But Grant Henley went to go visit him wearing his cross, his prayer minister's cross, and I was thinking as I was preparing the sermon, you see, I'm sure when Sam saw Grant coming to him to pray for him, he beheld a reflection of the glory of our Lord in Grant, didn't he? Too often we, we isolate ourselves, We hide our sin, our shame, and we lack faith and we ask, Lord, where is your face? Let me remind you that we see it in the face of those who come to pray for us. We behold a reflection of our Lord in the poor when we serve them, for our Lord said as much. There are some of you that may be agonizing over Lent that is to come and these spiritual disciplines that we're to enter into, which I'm going to argue in a moment are going to help us see the Lord in maybe a new way. But let me encourage you as we walk through this mount of transfiguration that though we won't behold Him face to face until we pass through death, not only will we behold the reflection of His glory if we're looking for it, But we can actually be that reflection of His glory to somebody else. And your willingness to reflect that glory may be the salvation of another. It was Moses who went up on that mountain in Exodus 24. And the cloud, the Shekinah glory of our Lord covered that mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt there on Mount Sinai and it was over it for six days. And Moses, if you remember, when he comes down from the mountain, he's reflecting the glory of Yahweh whom he had seen, reflecting it. It's not coming from his face, it's a reflection of the divinity, the light, the truth of Yahweh. And we see that when Peter, James, and John are brought to that mount of transfiguration, six days, the text says in Matthew. Alluding to Moses in Exodus 24, they're going to behold him face to face. But, beloved, what we lose sight of is the beholding of our Lord is pointing to his future glory for those three, for Peter, for James, and for John, who many of the church fathers said represented the church, the holy apostles, the mission of the church, to get them through what would be a desert season. Until they beholded the resurrected Lord, and then all but John would die a martyr's death. After six days, our text said, Jesus took with them Peter and James and John, his brother, and led him up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him, the two greatest prophets in all of Israel's history, standing beside our Lord, for what purpose, for what reason? To distinguish that they were pointing to him, the law, the prophets, pointing to God himself who would come amongst his people, to the Messiah himself who would come to his people. For Peter and James and John, not to mix up Moses with Joshua, that is, Jesus. Not to mix up Elijah with Jesus, but to know that he was God in their midst. We'll notice later that kind of quietly Moses and Elijah fade away, and as the apostles look up, only our Lord is left. And what does Peter do? Peter does what I think we often do when we do get a glimpse of the glory of our Lord, even if it's just by reflection. We want to build the booths there. We want to set up shop and to stay there on that mountain. We don't want to go down from that mountain where later on, after our text in chapter 17, they're met with disciples who couldn't cast out a demon back to reality. Those of you, uh, well, many of you, I'm sure, have been following what's happened in Kentucky recently. Has anyone been following what's been happening there? What is, is actually still going on? They said they're going to wrap it up tonight and then move it kind of off campus. What's going on? Yeah, there's, there's a revival amongst the, the younger generation there. I read just a few days ago that Samford has kind of had this going on the last couple of days. They're on that mount of transfiguration. They're worshiping the Lord. Many of them are confessing sins, confessing um, sins that all of us struggle with, I'm sure. But they're confessing the lives of Generation Z or whatever they're called. They're just they're so connected and, and, and with technology, and they're confessing it all, and it is a beautiful movement of the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord. But the test of all true revivals then is this. When we come down from that mountain, can we do what the Father says about the Son on that Mount of Transfiguration? Behold, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. My prayer is for those youth there in Kentucky and at Sanford and other campuses and colleges. My prayer for us from this Sunday forth into Lent, is that we would experience the movement of the Spirit to, to, to receive the reflection of the glory of the Lord, but then to walk in obedience, listening to Him. St. Augustine noted of Peter's actions of building that, uh, those, wanting to build those tents, those booths, from, of course, the Feast of Booths, this kind of eschatological moment that Peter said, this is it, this is the eschaton, we're building the booths and we're staying here. St. Augustine wrote this, Come down, St. Peter, thou wast desiring to rest on the mount. Come down and preach the word. God was reserving this life on the mount with Christ for thee, Peter, after death. The life came down that he might be slain. The bread came down that he might hunger. The way came down that he might be wearied on the way. The fountain came down that he might thirst, and dost thou refuse it? Beloved Peter and the holy apostles, those three were called to move from beholding the glory of God to obedience, obedience into life that would finally find themselves at the foot of the cross, wondering what has happened to the Messiah, to, our follow, to, to one that we have followed. And then, of course, finally, after the resurrection, seeing that the glory of God in Christ was true and was real. We often forget that St. Peter wrote two epistles. And St. Peter was so moved about this moment on this Mount of Transfiguration that he wrote in 2 Peter 16 these words, For we do not follow cleverly devised myths, Beloved, this mountain, this mountain was preparation for the holy apostles to endure for the rest of their lives in faithfulness and obedience to the word. How many of you have had a Mount of Transfiguration moment where you have seen the reflection of the glory of the Lord even for a moment in time? Have have you been there? Have you seen it? Have you felt it? Those things are given to us so that we might persevere in the faith, so that we might finally through obedience grasp at what Paul is getting at in our epistle reading. What did Paul say? He said this, not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. And St. Paul says, before those words, verse 10, that strike me as, as so difficult, he says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Those transfiguration moments in our lives, brothers and sisters, are to help us Enter into the sufferings of our Lord so that finally we may taste of His resurrection in the end of all things. The transfiguration is also linked, we know, with the baptism. For the Father in the transfiguration and in the baptism says, this is my beloved Son. That baptism would be the basis for the first half of Jesus' ministry. This transfiguration moment for the apostles would be the basis of His second half ministry for them. That would be a moment in time that they could remember and then could move through the suffering in this life knowing that again they would finally be able to behold the glory of the Lord. Beloved, if you are here this morning and you are weak and you are weary and you are tired, (laughs) Lent is coming. It's going to be difficult, but I can say this. In prayer, in fasting, and in almsgiving, and in redevoting your life to the Lord, you will see Him work. I promise. You will see Him work. You will taste for a moment that glory that is going to help you in your Christian life walk in obedience, listening to the Son, whom the Father says we should listen to. So, beloved, as, as we think about those times of the Lord's glory that we've seen, Let us be moved then to enter into this Lent as we descend in just a few days, knowing that He is with us. For some of you, you need to be reminded that when we receive this sacrament of the body and blood of our Lord, we are getting again a glimpse of His glory, a glimpse of His grace. You might not think much of it, but when you go back to our prayer ministers to be prayed for, to be lifted up in prayer, you're again, you're you're receiving a a reflection of the glory of God, the glory of our Lord that's going to help sustain you in the changes and chances of this earthly life. St. Gregory of Nazianzus wrote this, On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was bright as the lightning and became more luminous than the sun. Finally, initiating us into the mystery of that future that will that we will be partakers in. What a beautiful thing that is. So, beloved, in conclusion, let me ask us this Lent, as we move now from the feast of the Transfiguration to Ash Wednesday coming soon, to commit as a church to prayer, to commit to prayer. To commit to praying family prayer with our family as found in the Book of Common Prayer and reading God's Word together. To commit as best you can to come on Monday mornings, Monday afternoons, Wednesday mornings and Wednesday afternoons to partake in the offices of prayer that are held here. To commit to coming to Tuesday prayer here in the nave, the intercessory prayer that happens at 930, in your fasting to fast on Ash Wednesday and on Good Friday to give up things that you enjoy, to be moved to see your own sin, and then to see again and anew the grace of Jesus Christ, to see the reflection of His glory. And finally, beloved, I want to ask us too to give alms collectively on the Sundays that are coming. I want us to write checks and to give both the young and the old here to Brother Brian and to the foundry, to give to the poor, And not only to give, but to come and to serve the poor and to behold the face of our Lord in them, this Lent. For finally, beloved, the beautiful thing is this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I began my sermon with this, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. You see, there is a time coming when we no longer will just reflect the glory of the Lord, but we will behold it. We will enter into his presence and finally be fully transformed. But until then, let me ask you to seek it here in this life and to be it for those who need it, for it is showing a reflection of God's glory in this life that others see that world beyond this one and are moved into saving faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.